This morning we are we are in the fourth week, the last week of um, Love Like Jesus. So um, hopefully over the past month you've read First John a couple times. Um, you've you've liked it. We hope. Um, let's just see if we can recap real quick. I feel like I haven't seen y'all in forever. At least two weeks, right? It was pretty awesome. Is that what I heard? It's pretty awesome me not being here for two weeks. Wow, thanks so much. Phil, come preach. Um, Phil did good last week, right? Yeah, he always does good. So, okay, here we go. Let's just recap. Okay, week one, we found out that if we've if we can't love like Jesus if we haven't first been loved by Jesus. Um, a lot of people try to love just for love's sake. That's why Hallmark makes lots of money. But it is impossible to truly love if we don't know Jesus. So our hearts get broken. No matter how hard we try, we cannot offer the depth of love to the world that Jesus did if we have not first experienced it ourselves. Do you ever feel like the church is like a bunch of used car salesmen? Do you ever feel like that? When you talk to people about Jesus, like they're look, not, not that you are a used car salesman, but they're looking at you like you're a used car salesman, right? That's one reason why the church has lost a lot of relevance in our society is I think sometimes we're selling what we haven't bought which is hard to hear, but I think that's the truth. And that's what we learned that first week. Um, second week, we learned that when we love like Jesus, we love others. Um, this was the week we talked about not walking with the light, but walking in the light, right? Because if you walk with the light, then you get to control who we shine the truth on. But if we walk in the light, the light exposes us all. Jesus is an equal opportunity exposer. Thank you for the two people that remembered. Then last week, I have no idea. What you talked about? I'm kidding. Last week, uh, Phil taught that when we love Jesus, we will love the world like Jesus does. I know we, you talked about um, living lives of surrender and of service, um, loving the world's souls more than the world's stuff. Do you ever struggle with that? Like, there's a lot of good in the world, right? The Panthers won twice while I was gone. There's a lot of good in the world, right? Okay, just making sure. It's okay to enjoy that stuff. How many of you have stuff from the world that you enjoy? Raise your hand. TV, cable. Anybody have breakfast this morning? Okay. Yeah, there's lots of stuff in the world. It's all good. It's good to enjoy that. Um, when First John says, do not love the world, sometimes we think, oh, so we can't love anything in the world. And that's what you talked about last week. It's, it's more that we have a heart for their souls, right? That when I start to value the stuff I'm buying, more than the person's soul that I'm buying it from, that's when there's a problem. And anytime you get gas, you know, how many times do I, I can't, I can't talk about you, how many times do I pump gas at my car, I go inside, if I don't do the transaction at the pump, I go inside and I'm paying for my gas, and I'm just happy I got gas in the car, but I'm not thinking so much about the person's soul that I'm buying it from. And then this morning we're going to talk about um, truth. You got your sheets? Yes, anybody need a sheet? Everybody's good? Got a pen? When we love like Jesus, we will love the truth. Not only will we love it, but we will communicate it as well. Um, this morning we're talking about becoming truth tellers. So here's the big idea. I'll give it to you first, and then we'll kind of work through it and see if it makes sense. When we love the truth, we will speak the truth. When we love the truth, we will speak the truth. Three points this morning. Here's number one. We must recognize the truth. First John chapter four, 
verses 1 through 3, John wrote this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Listen, truth is not a feeling. Truth is not justice. Truth is not all the wrongs being made right. Truth is one thing. What we should say is truth is one person. Truth is Jesus. I love on Facebook, um, how many of you have done the like my status for truth or whatever? Is that right? And then like truth is, okay, here we go. Truth is, when I leave the country, the Panthers win. Right? So we were joking in the back. Like pretty much I should just move to another country and they will win the Super Bowl. Right? Um, Truth is, the Wolfpack are terrible. And it hurts my heart to say that, but they've got nothing. Um, Truth is... And then whatever. And I start filling it out. But truth is not a statement. Truth is a person. Jesus is truth, which is exactly what he's saying here. So many times what we think of, and I'm just trying to get you to think of it a little bit different. We think that truth is knowledge. So what we try to do is we, we try to learn as much as we can so that we're never in a moment in a conversation where we feel like, ugh, there's three people in the conversation and two of them know a lot of stuff and one's an idiot and I'm the idiot. Nobody likes that feeling, right? Nobody likes to feel like a sucker. Nobody likes to feel gullible, which is a funny word. And if you say it really slowly, it sounds like oranges. Go ahead and, go ahead and try it. If you say it slowly, it'll sound like oranges. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 Good. Good job. Got a few gullible people back here in this corner. It's great. They're going, gullible oranges. No, 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 no. The point here is that knowledge does not help us see the truth, okay? Now, it's important to have knowledge, right? Nobody wants to be a dummy, but knowledge in and of itself will not help us see the truth, not according to what John's writing. He's not saying, hey, learn all you can, know all you can, so you'll never be an idiot, and so that you can know that he says truth is Jesus. Seeing Jesus helps us know the truth. So John wrote to the believers that they could know immediately what was true and immediately what was not based on how they knew Jesus. Remember um, in the first week we talked about Gnosticism? Anybody remember that? No. Okay, so here's the really, here's the, really? It's only been three weeks. Gnosticism. Yeah, four syllables. That could be tough for us here, right? Gnosticism. So let's lower it down to two. Gnostics. Okay? So we talked about the Gnostics, and here's what they believed. They believed that the spirit realm was real and was pure, and they believed that the natural material realm was evil and bad. And so that's one thing. That's not true anyway. But they believed that we could just focus all of our attention on the spirit realm, never have to worry about the material realm because this is evil, and nothing in this realm can ever affect this realm. Okay, are you totally lost? So what they said was, there's no way that Jesus could be the Son of God. Because for Jesus to be the Son of God, he had to come from the spirit realm, which is totally pure, and he had to be in our world, which is totally evil, and God could never be a part of that because this world and this world can never come together. That's what Gnostics believe. Do you know that in today's society, there's a new movement Everything's neo-something, right? So there's this new movement of Gnosticism. At our church, one of the things that we value, we talk about the other six, right? 
And what that means is Sunday's the, it's an important day, but it's the least important day of the week. We come to church, we worship Jesus, he fills us, but then he fills us so that we can go out on the other six days of the week and live that truth. But what do we see in our culture all the time? I do church on Sunday, and if I really, really love Jesus, Wednesday night. But the other times, I do whatever I want. And those worlds never come together. That's Gnosticism. That's a false gospel. That denies that Jesus came. Because Jesus didn't come to give you four hours a week. He came for the whole week. And so John says, truth is that Jesus was truly from God in the flesh. And if you don't see that, if you can't recognize that, then you're never going to understand truth. Because Jesus is truth. I read an article one time about a um, swimsuit model that was in Sports Illustrated's edition. And this guy was on the beach. He was the one writing the article. He's on the beach, and he noticed on the beach, like, all these photo shoots. Like, you know, they got the lights, and they got these tents set up so that girls can change. And he didn't know what was going on. He's just a guy on the beach, and there's girls in the bikini. So he wanted to check it out, right? So he walks over, and he sees this girl sitting on the beach just in his bikini, legs, you know, crossed, just sitting there. She's reading her Bible. And he thought, well, that's kind of interesting, right? Girl on the beach in the bikini reading the Bible. He's probably immediately thinking, Jesus, yes, you've blessed me, right? And then she, somebody said, it's time. And she got up and walked over and had her photo shoot. And he just said he couldn't get past how that just didn't seem like it went together. But see, in her mind, there's the spirit stuff, which is the Bible. And then there's all the other stuff, which is I'm in a bikini posing for pictures, causing men everywhere to stumble. But it's okay. There's not a problem. That's Gnosticism. When we don't allow Jesus to take over every other part of our life. All right, that's, I talked way too much about that, and you're like, you lost me in Gnosticism. I don't understand. John says here that the first step toward loving the truth is seeing and recognizing the truth, that Jesus is the Son of God. He is from God. Most people don't want to see that, or they just simply can't see that. So I want you to jot down a few things. Here are some things that can make it hard for us to see the truth of who Jesus is. Number one, this is the most obvious, sin. Just jot down sin. Things that can keep us from seeing the truth. Sin is a no-brainer. Matthew 15, 14, we got that? It says, they are blind gods. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Which is a sad truth, but we, it would be a great video on YouTube, wouldn't it? Okay, well, like I said, Phil, just me and you. they not caught up to our sense of humor yet. Someday. First John 2.11. Let's read that. This was in the book that we've been reading. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He doesn't know where he's going. He is blind, right? Because the darkness has blinded him. Sin has this way of blinding us. Maybe I'm being way too honest. But if I am being real with you, I could teach you from the Bible certain things that are wrong and certain things that are without a doubt sin. But if I did those same things and you called me on it, you know what I would say to you? Well, no, 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 that's sin. But God and I have a special deal worked out. It's cool for me to do it. And I'm not the only one that does that. That's why you'll hear people, they'll talk passionately about how bad things are that they're also doing. And they're not lying. They fully believe that it's sin. But somehow in their heart, they've been blinded from that. 
They've been blinded from how God really sees that. Sin blinds us. Possessions can blind us. Luke chapter 12, verses 19 to 21 says this. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry, comma. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Here's a rich man. He says, I've got everything I need. I'm just going to sit back, take it easy, and chill. God said, you fool. So next time you call somebody a fool, you can just say, I'm just quoting the Bible, right? You fool. He said, you fool, tonight your soul's required. He couldn't even see that his soul was required of him because his possessions, his comfort, had so blinded him. Um, comfort is just another thing. That's the third thing that you can write down that, that can blind us. This, I didn't, we're not going to put this on the screen. It's too long. But there's a story in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. There's a rich man and there's a poor man. The poor man's name is Lazarus. And during his lifetime, the rich man had all that he wanted and never thought about his need of Christ. And so when he died... He went to hell, and the, rich, the poor man, Lazarus, went to heaven. And the rich man was in torment because then he saw that he needed Jesus. But he was so blinded by the comfort he had in this world. Look, can we at least be honest enough to say that's us? I mean, last night, I got home. Wendy went to bed at 7. She got up at 7 this morning. I didn't go to bed at 7, but I fell asleep at 7. In the chair, in the den, and Wendy's mom just was like, Paul, go to bed. Because I'm, I'm so, I'm comfortable, right? And I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm okay. She goes, no, no, I'm watching you nod off. You know, like, look like Dr. Shank on the plane, you know. <laughs> he's got this big zebra thing, and he's like, you know, that's, that's Dr. Shank on the plane. That's what it looked like last night, but I was comfortable, right? And I got comfortable, so my eyes closed. I mean, our comfort, it's so, and we don't even see it coming. We don't even see it coming. But the things that make us comfortable can blind us to really seeing Jesus. I don't really need Jesus. My life is good. Comfort blinds us. Pride. Pride blinds us. Proverbs 16, 18. It says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Why in the world does pride lead to a fall? Because you don't see it coming, right? Pride is the very thing that, the, the, what I've read so far, I've read three things. This is the fourth one that can keep us from seeing Jesus. Pride in our hearts is why we're reading those going, yeah, that's not me. Nah, I'm good. No, that's not me. Oh, man, pride is a killer. Pride, it keeps all of us from looking at this list and saying, oh, God, could that be me? And it's, Satan's the last one, because we should blame Satan for everything. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, but this really is true. It says that Satan has blinded the eyes in this world of unbelievers. He's blinded their eyes. Sometimes we have blind spots because we simply didn't look hard enough. I know this is not going to make sense for any of you if you've not been to India, but can you imagine in India driving and not seeing your blind spot? I mean, it's nuts there. Even just in America, have you, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Have you ever been in an accident and you're telling the police officer, I swear I did not see that car? And I looked and I didn't see it. Blind spots can be disastrous. Sometimes we have blind spots because we simply refuse 
to open our eyes. The good news is this morning that Jesus is the best at restoring sight. My prayer this morning is that some of you, maybe for the first time, will see Jesus clearly. First, you've got to recognize the truth. His name is Jesus. Here's the second one. We must receive the truth. This is kind of a bit bit of a no-brainer. Verse 4 says this, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Do you kind of see the shift of language there? We're not talking about knowing Jesus and recognizing Jesus, but now Jesus is where? He's in us. And that sounds weird, right? Like there's a big man that walked on this planet. He had a big beard. He wore a robe. He rocked the dress. And somehow he's in me. How did this big man get into me? This is what the Bible says. This is what happens when we follow Jesus. He kept through the Holy Spirit. He, he dwells in us. And the great thing is, he's greater than anything that we face on the outside. We've got to receive the truth. Most people in America recognize Jesus. But not everybody in America receives him. In fact, I'll go this far. Most religious people, they recognize Jesus. But they've never received him. Verse 4. He calls them children, not just friends. And what it means for us this morning is this. Some of us need to go beyond recognizing the truth. And we need to start to receive the truth. If you've read 1 John at all, then you've seen those who receive Jesus and choose to live their lives in the light of his truth will have enemies, right? Those are the verses in 1 John that you read and you went, ow, I don't like this one. Apparently, there's people that won't like me if I follow Jesus. And what is the good news for us in that situation? That greater is he who's in me than those that are against me in the world. Jesus will always be greater than anything that we can face. We can't lose. Don't say anything to the person next to you. Just look at them. They are a winner, not a loser. If they're following Jesus, there is no way they can lose. And the moment that we begin to pull back because we might lose something is the moment that we stop recognizing the truth about who Jesus is. Let me say that one more time because you weren't listening. The moment we begin to pull back because we might lose things is the moment that we stop recognizing the truth about who Jesus is because Jesus is greater than anything. And if I am following Jesus, if I have recognized him as truth and I have received him as truth, there's nothing I can lose that's of more value than Jesus. So the minute that I start to worry about what I might lose is the minute that I stop seeing him for who he really is. Philippians 3.8, Paul said this, that he considered everything a loss compared to what? The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. That's a value statement, right? I mean, what are the things in our life that we value? Everything is a value. And what Paul's saying here is everything in this life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the wolf pack, Everything in this life is outweighed and valued by Jesus. And so if Jesus is more valuable than everything, if I lose everything, have I lost anything? No. Today is a good day 
to step into a life with Jesus that has a value greater than anything you've ever known. Here's number three. We have the truth in us. Some of us at least do. Let me be very clear. Receiving the truth of Jesus is not saying a prayer. It is not attending a church. It is not memorizing seven verses in the Bible. It is a life committed to following Jesus, to recognizing the truth of Jesus in every situation and changing my life, my heart, my attitudes in the light of that truth. And you're like, no, that sounds like too much work. It's not work at all. But the American idea of following Jesus is I will just follow, I'll walk, and I'll live, and I'll do what I want to do, and I will read the Bible, and it will go, you should not do this, and I'll go, "Mm, didn't really mean that, I'll do it anyway. But I'm following Jesus. No, 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 that's not following Jesus. Following Jesus, recognizing the truth of Jesus in every situation. God, what would Jesus have me do in this situation? We read the Bible. Oh, the Bible says I should do this. I don't want to do that. Following Jesus is when my life bows to the Bible. And I say, Jesus, I'll do it anyway. Because you are far more valuable than anything else. That's what it means to follow Jesus. I fear that many who think they're following Jesus are not. What is the next logical step for those of us who have recognized the truth of Jesus and received the truth of Jesus? It is to repeat the truth of Jesus. That's the third step. We must repeat the truth. Verses 5 and 6. They are from the world. He's talking about the people who are against us. They are from the world, and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Why do we listen to things? Because somebody is talking. See how he's changing the speech again? First he said, please recognize Jesus. And then he said, Jesus is not just something to be recognized. He's something to be in you. So receive him. And now he says, wait, wait, wait. People are listening. There's a lot of talking. Something's going on. A lot of talking. And if somebody's talking, then somebody's going to be listening. So who's doing the talking? The world's talking. Lots of chatter. And Christians should be talking about Jesus. We've received the truth, and now we repeat the truth. The bottom line is this. It is impossible to recognize the truth and receive the truth without repeating the truth. And now we've come to the part of the message that's going to get a little bit confusing, but bear with me because I was on a plane when I thought of this. On the way back from India, I watched this movie called End Time. Anybody ever seen End Time? Just by show of hands, I've never even heard of it. So here's the basic plot. Let me make sure I get this. I know it has Justin Timberlake in it. That's all I knew. So I'm watching this movie called End Time, and basically the plot is instead of having money, you have time. So time is the new currency, and everybody, if they pull their sleeve up, you can see, like, they got this digital thing on their wrist, which is weird, and it shows how many seconds and minutes and hours and days and months and years they have to live. So everybody knows when they're going to die. Are you with me so far? So the, the, the idea is everybody gets to live until they're 25, and at 25, I think you get given a year of time, and it starts to tick down, and you never age past 25. So it's kind of weird, you know, if you watch the movie, like, you know, Justin Timberlake's talking to this other, his mom, and she's like the same age as him, and he's like, hey, mom, and you're kind of, it's weird. Anyway, the time's running down, and he, here's, I told you it'd be confusing. So 
he's trying to find out how to get more time. If you get enough time on your on your wrist, then you can live forever. You can be immortal. And you, you work, and instead of getting a paycheck, you get more time. You can steal, and you can steal time. You can borrow time. Are you with me so far? Time is important. So anyway, eventually his mom dies. She's running towards him. He's running towards her because they both know that she's about out of time. And if you can grab her wrist and turn it like this, and somehow he can give her some time, and it's like three, two, one, she dies. And he gets ticked off because the world is unjust, and people are they're raising the race, and it costs more time to buy groceries, yada, yada, yada. And they're, make, they're doing it on purpose so that more people will die, so that the rich get richer, so that the poor get poor. Does this sound familiar like any culture that we might live in? Okay. So he goes on his tirade. He goes to the wealthiest city because he somehow got given 100 years from some guy that was he killed himself and gave him his time. And that's, anyway, I'm giving the whole story away. He goes, huh. it was a 15-hour flight. Bear with me. So he, 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 goes, he goes to the richest place, and he starts to gamble. Instead of gambling with money, you gamble with, okay, good, you're following me. So he wins, and somehow he ends up with like more years than he could ever do anything with. And he starts giving money away, time away. He starts giving to people. Like, you know, they have this place. It's like, um, it's like a soup kitchen, but they don't give away soup. They give away Right, and so um, if there's no time to give away, then people don't get any time, and they might die. So the whole deal is not just imagine if your bank account went to zero, you're still breathing. But in this movie, if your time goes to zero, done. He's at this place gambling. He he wins against the richest man in the world, and the girl's the, that man's daughter is enamored with Justin Timberlake because he's well, he's Justin Timberlake. But um, which I bet sounded really weird coming from me because I'm a man. But let's just continue. So they kind of become this Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Carol's lost. We kind of become this Bonnie and Clyde of, um, of in this movie where they're going out and they're robbing. Eventually they start, they bust into the dad. The dad owns all these banks. They bust into the banks and they take all these time. Like you put it on your wrist, you get more time. They take all the time. They start giving out to people for free. And it just wrecks the whole system. The cops are trying to chase them down because the cops are timekeepers. And they're trying to catch them and all this stuff. Anyway, at some point, he realizes it doesn't matter how much time I steal, how much time I give away, the people that have all the power will just continue to raise the rates and make people die. Because the rich get richer and the poor get poor, and they're standing on this little dirt road, and they're having this conversation, and the girl that he's with, his name is Will, she turns to him, and this is what she says. Will, if you ever get a lot of time, are you really going to give it away? And he said, "All I've only ever had a day. How much do you need? How can you live with yourself watching people die right next to you? And her comment was this. This is what really caught me. We don't watch. We close our eyes. Now, granted, I'm on a plane flying home from India where we treat people, where we use that loosely because I'm not a doctor, but where the doctors with us treat people where Jonathan's mother saw a young boy, and she called me over, and she, she said, let's pray for him, Pastor Paul. And we prayed, and she said, look at his eyes. And I said, okay, I'm looking. She said, see how yellow they are? I said, yes. She said, he'll either be healed by God or he'll be dead. Oh. How can you live with yourself watching people die right next to you? We don't watch. We close our eyes. I just submit this to our church. 
I mean, with as much of a passion as hard as I can submit it with, because I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. Is it possible that we've lived with our eyes closed far too long? John 4, 35, Jesus said this. Do you not say four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. If you've recognized and received Jesus, you will see others who need him. And you will repeat the truth about Jesus to them. When we love the truth, we will speak the truth. I, I don't know quite how to say it, except I'm convinced that our eyes are full of ourselves. Not because we have money and India doesn't. This is not the India message, and there will be time later in the month or in a month for the team to come and present. I'm just talking about spiritually. Forget time on your wrist. Forget money in your wallet. And let's just talk about Jesus as the Savior of the world. And how easy it is for us to live our lives with our mouths shut. And not share with people the truth about who Jesus is. How can you live with yourself watching people die right next to you? We don't watch. We close our eyes. Or is it that our eyes are open but focused on me? When we love the truth, we will speak the truth. If we're not speaking the truth, we don't love the truth. That's a hard thing to hear, isn't it? And that's one of those, that's one of those statements that, like, we hear it and we want to get mad because it applies. <laughs> but all we can do is say, God, forgive me. Open my eyes. Help me to speak the truth. Help me to not be consumed with who I am and what's going on in my life and to be consumed with what others might need. Let me just share one more thing I learned in India as we're closing. And then we can repent. I may have shared this last time I came back. I'm not sure. It impacts me every time I go. When I get to India or any, any culture where I don't speak the language and I do not speak Hindi at all, I know that Hasa means to smile and that's it. I think Tiki means uh, whatever. Uh, tiki. They did their head weird. Anyway, um, whenever I preach somewhere that they don't, I don't speak their language, I, I'm always reminded of this truth about Jesus. When I stand up in India, I have come from America, and do I have good news to share? Oh, God, come on, people. Punch the, person, punch the person next to you. Just do it. This preaching, I mean, it might not be my best, but it's not that bad. Come on. When I go to India, do I have good news? When I'm teaching people in India, do they need to hear good news? And if I'm talking in English and they don't speak English, do they get good news? No. Uh, trick question, sorry. No. Because I could be sharing all the good news in English, and if they don't speak English, they are like me when we're standing in line, and all I got for the kids is this face right here. 
And if they get tired of that, then I go, and I start laughing. But if they start using words, I'm lost. I got nothing, right? So when the mom comes up to me frantically talking like, I just go, <laughs> I, mean, I got nothing, right? No way to communicate. Lost, feeling awkward. So when I'm preaching, who's the most important person in that room? Yeah, I got the spiritual Jesus, which was exactly right. That's exactly right, but we're not there yet. And then I got the practical one over here from J.J. He said the interpreter, and J.J.'s right. Everybody give J.J. a hand. The interpreter is the most important person in the world. Because one, he can take what I say and say it so they can understand it. And I know these guys, they take what I say and make it really good, and then they say it. So they, these people think I'm an amazing preacher, but let's be honest, it's the interpreter, right? Because I say something like, oh, yada, yada. I say, you know, the sky's blue, and he goes, the sky is amazingly blue, and it's bright, and it's one shining, and Jesus loves you, right? And they're just like, that American's really good. No, no, I'm not. The interpreter's really good. But the interpreter is the most important person in the room because I could have all the good news to say, and I could even say it, but they'll never understand it. Listen, let's just get really spiritual, and now we'll come back to you, and now you're going to be right. Jesus is the best interpreter. God has so much good to say to us, and he screams it at us. He tells us. He wants us to know, but we have no capacity to understand. And the truth is that he sent Jesus into this world to be the interpreter. What did Jesus say in John? I hear my father speak, and I only say what my father says. And so he delivers the good news to all of us. And when we really recognize that, and we really receive that, what is the truth that Jesus is telling us from God? That he loves us. That he wants us. That he made us to enjoy him forever. And the bad side of it, that we messed that up. And that there is no hope of being restored to that apart from Jesus. And when Jesus hung on the cross, that was the greatest act of interpretation ever. And we miss it. What I want you to know is this. When you commit yourself to speaking the truth, I mean, some of you could communicate great, and some of you, probably like me, you just feel like, I bomb everything. Somehow Jesus takes our best effort at sharing his love and his truth, and he just makes it better. And when you go out this week, and you are so full of the truth of Jesus that you cannot help but repeat it, you might come out with blah, 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 blah. and in the hearts of the people that you're talking to Jesus interprets it to exactly what they need and they fall on their face they fall on their knee they begin to make a change they start to understand they begin to recognize the truth and then they start to wrestle with do I want to receive the truth that's the way the gospel works
So how do you step into that? What, what, are the, what do you do? Like, you know, we're Americans, so we got, we're already starting to think of the checklist, right? <laughs> What's che- number one is this, number two is this, number three. We just want to, you know, what we're about at the gathering, we just want to invite you into the process. I'd just like to invite you into the process where we just walk towards that. Where we don't teach you everything you should say so it just comes out because you memorized it. I want to invite you to a journey where you really see Jesus. Because I'm convinced of this. When you really see Jesus for who he is and you really receive him and follow him, I don't have to teach you how to share Jesus. All right, I need you to answer this question with the people next to you because some of you need to smile or something. It's hard to look at you. What's the best news you've ever received? Tell the person next to you right now. The best news you've ever received. The best gift, the best anything. Go ahead. You have my permission. Talk. If you're a Gamecocks fan, is it last night the Gamecocks won? Did you, is that what you just said? <laughs> Counteracts the bad news of last week. <laughs> okay, you got it? And then we're going to close and be done. My guess is whatever you just talked about just then, whatever you just talked about, I would never have to invite you to a class to learn how to tell somebody else about that. Am I right? You didn't have to think about what to say. You just said it. Mel looked at Linda and said, the Gamecocks won. Just came out. If you had just received a check for $20,000, you just go, I just got a check for $20,000. What? $20,000. Yeah, it's in, it an envelope. It was great. Best day ever. Nobody has to teach you that. We, we've made this gospel thing so much up in the head that we've forgotten the heart. And the heart is this. When you're in a relationship, man, you just tell people. And my prayer for our church is that we would walk a journey where we just don't, I mean, I want us to learn, but we don't learn a bunch of stuff that we don't do anything with. But our relationship with Jesus grows to the point where we just cannot be quiet. Everywhere we go, we want to share it. We want to speak. We want to to repeat the truth to those around us. Jesus lived among us as a man to help man recognize the truth about God. And when we understand how critical Jesus is to that process, we receive the truth. That's when we have the awesome privilege of repeating such a wonderful message. Through the Holy Spirit, that message is interpreted to the people who are still blinded. It is the only appropriate response to the truth. Because when we love the truth, we will speak the truth.